Okay, so on today's show, we got a, a really interesting discussion um, that we've recorded with uh, Pasembi Kinston, a creative director out of London. Um, he's a fantastic guy. I, I, I would Your know. Son? I call him my son. Yeah, I call him my son. He's also my uh, best man at my wedding, and I, I, uh, he did offer me a year of schooling to name. Uh, the middle name of my child after him so of course I, I did that um, but uh, Pasembi has uh, uh, he, he's really successful just look at his website right now he uh, was the youngest Australian ever to be awarded at Cairns um, uh, and he has won there every year for the past four years on six different campaigns Um and uh, he's won over 90 international advertising awards and counting. So, but he's wow. a, a, we have a really interesting discussion. Let's, uh, let's head to it. Um, so, Pasembi, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. Sure. Um, my name is Pasembi, as you know. I am a uh, creative director at an advertising agency in London. Formerly, uh, I get a creative from Melbourne, um, but originally, and obviously the way I know you is we got into the advertising industry through uh, starting in film and radio, somewhat weirdly, before film. Uh, so you're basically hitting everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I can tell you the full story. I guess I, I tell it to people all the time. Cause everyone, oh, yeah. Please. So, so, yeah, how did you get started? You kind of, yeah, you obviously know it, but I, I should put it down for, on the tape, I guess. After I left school, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, as, as most people don't. This is high school we're talking about. High school, yeah. So I finished high school when I was quite young, and I, I literally had no idea what I wanted to even study. I assumed media, maybe film, although I didn't know what course to really study. Um, so I decided just to try some things and see what took my fancy. Um, so I started working, I interned at the ABC radio station in Broome, tiny little town in northwest of Australia for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably no one listening to this. It's a lovely town. It is a lovely town. Sure. Anyway, so I had this job at a radio station and I, did, and I, I it was an internship and then I got a job and I started working there as an online producer, which meant making content for their breakfast and the morning shows, which is a lot of fun. So there's a lot of a freedom to have a kind of 16 or 17 years old. Um, then one day I was um, interviewing, well, I was organising an interview interview with this guy called Bruce Best, who was a uh, television producer. And he was about to shoot a children's TV show for six or seven months in Broome. Uh, and we were doing a feature on him for the radio program, explaining the show, the premise for the show, and just kind of getting to know what he was trying to do in Broome. Being such a small town, the, the idea of someone kind of coming there and filming was quite a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Like it, at that time, you had uh, what two different shows uh, going up in Broome, and then like it was it was kind of a uh, hopping town. It was for a while there. I mean, just as he was coming over, it was yeah, just before the first series of the circuit started filming. I think there was a feature film that had shot briefly in Broome. There were lots of ads going on in Broome as well, actually. Um, 
lots of stuff for the pearling pearling industry and fashion. Oh, and and brand that new was, day. That was kind of a year a year later. But um, it, it's just funny because of uh, Broome is like a to to explain it to me, it's a tourist town, but it's like thirty thousand people. Like it's not uh, fifteen and, without tourists and about forty five with forty five thousand with tourists. So. Yeah, and and then you you're very remote. Like it, uh, it's like a twenty four hour drive from the nearest major capital city where you get equipment and and all this stuff. So shooting in Broome was kind of. Uh, uh, like, deal. Yeah, an interesting, an interesting choice. The weather's good, though. Yeah, the, lots the of blue skies. Yeah, I think that's the main attraction. And maybe this, maybe the WA film industry was doing something interesting at the time to incentivize it. I don't really know, but there were lots of lots of shoots going on in Broome. So anyway, I had this interview with Bruce um, for the the radio program I was helping to run, and then. Um, I liked him so much that I said, "This your job sounds much more interesting than my job, so why don't I, you know, would you interview me for a job? And uh, we had a long chat, and he decided to make me a runner, which was brilliant, obviously the, the normal way into the industry. I didn't have my driver's license at the time, so I was probably the only runner employed to ride around on a bicycle. Um, but he didn't seem to mind. Yeah, look, well, Broom, if you were, if you could walk to the hardware store from where his production uh, company was based. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was about, he was about 30 meters from the airport and five minutes walk into town. Um, so that's obviously how I met you. And we had a very enjoyable six months and ended up doing, we all did lots of, we all filled lots of uh, positions on that, on that. Yeah, it, it was a, it was interesting. It was one of those ones where, uh, to save money, he was employing uh, people who didn't have a lot of experience, and so a lot of people got thrown in uh, to roles that you normally wouldn't get a chance to do. Um, like I, I started out as a, a what clapper loader did data wrangler before it really data wrangler was a popular term, and then uh, ended up being the. Um, being a second camera on uh, three episodes or something like that um, in uh, in the series. Well, I went up to Focus Puller and then second camera, and then uh, then the second season I was brought back to do second camera for the whole the whole season and end up DOPing one of the episodes. But um, uh, we yeah we had a lot of fun. I remember meeting you, Pasempi, the the first. Uh, I I got in and I'm like this camera assistant low in the the camera assistant thing and they go okay well you're here oh I didn't realize you'd be here this early you you're gonna go paint a room and so we painted a, a, the edit suite um, and I met this young kid who who was like didn't have anything to do either um, and uh, oh, I think it, I helped I, you paint I, that room and then we made some IKEA furniture poorly together yeah I'm surprised it's, it it uh, stayed up. And it probably we, hasn't, to be fair. Uh, and and uh, we we had the great task of in the on that shoot of driving the uh, the originally the the camp toilet to uh, to set every day in this car with no air conditioning. In fact, no, I don't think it had a working fan. And you would on bumpy, very bumpy roads. This is the troopy. I mean, it didn't have it didn't have air conditioning because it didn't have a roof. Well, it had a roof in the first season, um, 
Uh, I see. And, yeah, I, that's it. Gets confused in my head. I can't remember. At some point, we took the we took this car completely apart. Oh yeah, and and by the end, it it would only start if you put took the uh, um, the jump a jumper lead from the battery to the engine block. Um, you know, so it was uh, it was quite a vehicle. Uh, but then on so on that. Um, okay, on that that's show, a good metaphor for the whole job, and I and I think that on the relevant part, the whole experience as well, because you ended up having to do wear so many different hats and have so many different weird experiences that you really weren't qualified to have. Um, I think I was the unit manager for a significant portion of that first TV, the first series, and then was the second AD for the second series and first of the second unit stuff. So you ended up having a ridiculous amount of experience for someone with literally no qualifications whatsoever. So, so that's interesting. I, well, first of all, you learned to, to drive on that. I'm sure. I remember, I remember that experience. Um, but I smashed all the windows in the troop carrier at some yeah. point, didn't I? Yeah, we were driving down a road, and I went, "Watch out! That tree's close!" <laughs> and uh, the back, it ended up smashing the back window. Um, other other it, thing, other other driving yeah. experiences I had after learning to drive on film sets was um, spinning out the car when driving all of the actors to set on a wet day, and having about oh, six, really? was, six was that children on? in the back of the car. That was yeah. a Pajero. Oh was, yeah, we you know those those dirt roads wouldn't have speed limits, so you'd get them to set as kind of as quickly as you as you could. Uh, so Which, you you worked on on trapped. What what happened after that? So after trapped, um, I think it was. I'm not sure if it was brand new day after trapped or it was mad bastards. It was or maybe I think it's brand new day. I think brand new day. I, I, I remember uh, getting called as a reference for you. For Brandy Day, oh, really? yeah. So um, well, you obviously gave a good reference because I got the job on Brandy Day as a um, video split operator, which was a fantastic job actually because it was working with um, uh, uh, the now past Andrew Lesney um, as the DOP, and he brought his entire camera crew. It's uh, who they just all wrapped filming the final Lord of the Rings, I think, at that stage. I think it was just after Return of the King. Um, so they, he kind of had his entire crack troop, a camera crew, and then he had this, at that stage, I was maybe a 17 year old broom boy running around trying to, um, you know, operate the video split. Again, I had, I had no idea what I was doing. I had about two hours practice with these ancient VHS recording. Um, yeah, none uh, of this experience. was, uh, none of this was high tech i mean it's we're talking 2007 you know nowadays it's so much easier but uh, yeah that would have been hard it was horrendously hard it was all of 35 millimeter as well um oh yeah so 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 the quality of the video tap would have been pretty low horrendous and i really didn't know what i was doing and these vhs's were basically impossible to operate so we had two cameras constantly and often one, basically the entire shoot, the B camera was a steady cam. So you'd be rigging up these aerial um, transmitter systems, um, which would drop out. Then you were recording both cameras into a VHS that had no ability to time code. Um, 
it kept no time code whatsoever. So you, I had to be constantly doing this maths of figuring out how long I just recorded for on the VHS tape, adding it to the, all of the previous recordings on that tape and trying to create some kind of log system so I could kind of scan back to the right shot at the right time. And this was, again, in 40-degree heat running around in the middle, you know, on, on a beach with a really, at this stage, a really well-qualified um, production crew and then me who was completely out of my depth and I, it would be a rare day that the first AD didn't scream at me for um, holding up the entire shoot you know it, it's funny that they it, no matter what what happens I, I think my f- film experience is at first just the AD screaming at somebody either me or close to me somebody close to me for for holding up the shoot, so I don't. I think you were by that point. You could say you were a professional. I think so. I think that's how you know you're professional when everyone's screaming at you. That was horrendously hard. That was the hardest job I've ever had. No, no job has come nearly as close to being as um, soul crushingly difficult as that one. So, do you think that that's why you hastened your uh, uh, self out of the film industry into the tangential industry of advertising? Yes, actually, slightly. I, I, so I did, I did a few more TV shows and another film and a few advertising commercials, or a few small advertising commercials working on the set. And I think I realised at that point that um, film wasn't quite as glamorous as I'd hoped and that actually most of the jobs you would do in film were, are kind of boring and working with people that are... Um, uh, assholes yeah yeah and incredibly insular there's this they're kind of cut off from the rest of society in there um, yeah they're in their own world because film has this weird you know it takes over your life for a period and then you, you know releases you back into the world for the professionals who are, are working it constantly you know doing the big gigs the ones like uh, that ask you to to do six days a week and, and maybe work the seventh for extra pay. Like you don't have a life, and if you do that all the time, then you really, really don't have a life. You know, so it it gets insular. You know, yeah, it does, especially yeah. in an industry like Western Australia's. Clearly, uh, weirdly, I, I don't think there was actually what put me off at all. In some ways, that had lots of advantages, but I think after just a few years, I got the sense that a lot of your success in the film industry came down to luck um, and and who you knew you know, if you were trying to break into writing or directing um, and then that was massively to do with uh, kind of the luck of the draw and having the right people see the right things at the right time to open up other opportunities and if you slogged away in 10 or 12 years you could absolutely kind of establish establish yourself in the industry but you still had to rely on a lot of luck, I think, to um, to get that. Far. Oh, and and particularly uh, what I what I saw was interesting that, uh, like in a small market, and it pro, um, that if you 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 basically you could you could do two paths. You could create a space for yourself, right? And, and by by increasing the amount of work that was in there, but that's incredibly in the uh, industry at the time. But that's incredibly risky. <laughs> Right and and is actually slow and it's hard to actually do. 
or you could wait, uh, work your way up the ranks and wait for some people to uh, uh, to to stop working. And like in the camera department, you might wait for a DOP to stop shooting. But these guys would go until they die, basically. So, you know, you look at the the age of the people who are, are, are shooting and go, well, I reckon he's got another fifteen years in him until like or or twenty or thirty, and you think, do I want to wait that long? Or do you know? Or do do I move to a different place uh, because moving can help? You know, it, it it's an interesting question, especially in a in a small microcosm. I, I think you're right, and weirdly enough, I think it's even harder for people in the I don't know the craft side of things, so the DOPs and the um, the production designers and the in the departments than it is even the writers and the directors. At least if you're a writer or a director, you can go off and make your own work. And eventually, that will get you noticed. But if you're a, if you want to be a cinematographer, um, unless you happen to land a DOP job out of chance when you're quite young, and then that snowballs onto other jobs. Oh, look, look, it, it, even if years. you land a DOP job, I, I mean, I was second camera and I DOP'd an episode of of broadcast TV, uh, a children's drama, but like it's still, uh, um. It's still TV, and that's on my my uh, resume. It's on my showreel, and and it's never led to anything, you know. Yeah. In fact, uh, people w- were actively dismissive of it. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, that's that is whatever. the nature of the beast, though. I guess it's a so, fiercely so, competitive industry. So you decide that you're you're uh, you're going to go transition into the the wonderful world of advertising. Uh, the the more lucrative world of advertising, I should say. Um, how did how did you go about doing that? Um, well, I, I don't think it was a quick decision. I didn't really know what advertising was, or certainly what the jobs available in advertising were. Um, I think I've I've always, I guess, liked advertising in the same way I like film. Actually, it's I just appreciate the 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 ability to tell a story or to make you laugh or feel anything in 30 seconds or 60 seconds or even 90 seconds. Um, I, I guess it had an advantage because, like, okay, so you have a, uh, for you personally, advertising has an advantage because, like, I, you're the only person I know who can fall asleep in every movie I've ever watched with you, bar, bar one. <laughs> so, so, so an ad. Bar one. What was you, the film I watched with you that I didn't fall asleep in? Uh, that would be uh, Tokyo Gold Police. Um, Really? One of the greatest films we've ever watched together. The yeah, but did it have a chair that pissed on an audience? Um, the, a human chair. Uh, that uh, um, a chair pissing on an audience is as impressive as it's it's a human who's been remodeled into a chair. Oh, the the whole film is impressive. With a vagina that pisses. It, the the whole film is impressive because you you don't know what's going to happen next and. You you constantly think you can't um uh it can't get any better right like uh, it can't it does. do it, it just, can't, it, it just it over delivers every 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 next scene you get to the point where you're going what could possibly be a a man who's had his penis bitten off and his and and his disfigured member has turned into this like this machine gun this automatic machine gun that kills people now and then the yeah. next scene is uh an, a person that's had all of their limbs amputated in a gimp suit and they attach samurai swords to each one of their um, severed 
severed limbs. And that's so, the, the final closing battle. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing film. It, it is ridiculously amazing. Um, we, but my point is that advertising means that, that, you know, it's 30 seconds. You can't fall asleep in it, right? Or it's, uh, you know, a couple of minutes long, you know? So I, I could see why the, the appeal. You can see the appeal. Well, yeah. well, you're, you're, in some ways, you're not far off. So I started reading a lot about uh, reading different textbooks and different memoirs from people who worked in advertising. Um, and I, I thought it just sounded interesting, the, the problem-solving nature of it and the ability to deliver some things quite quickly and to get to work across two or three different projects at any one time. Um, kind of appealed to my, to my rush just to go out and make lots of things. So, what were your favourite books that you read? Oh, um, Oh, there's so many good ones. I think one of my favorite is favorites is called um, uh, from those lovely guys who brought you Pearl Harbor, which was um, this memoir of a, a guy from America in the 80s. And I think advertising in the 80s was just a completely different kettle of fish. Um, but the, the, the name, I'll tell you the, the, the reason behind the name, was he was pitching to some Japanese client um, and he'd got so fucked off by uh, the way that they were treating the agency that he decided to write a campaign that was basically um, basically just thanking this company personally for Pearl Harbor um, but to an American audience. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Epic. It's, it's in really poor taste, but... Um, it, you know, it would have been uh, it would have been interesting if they uh, picked that as the campaign, you know, because because yeah. you might do yeah, you might do like you, sometimes you you pitch tongue in cheek to a, a client, uh, especially if they're annoying you, um, and they they uh, take you up on the offer. Um, I've had that happen to me. It's a good. Th- I, that, it's weirdly enough. That's probably some of the best work you can make is tongue in cheek things where you're secretly taking the piss out of something. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so I just started reading, uh, and then decided that you know I'd I'd give it a go, and um, I moved to Melbourne and uh, started studying a uh, communication design course that was a complete waste of time. I, I think my experience on film and TV after realizing that. Depending on what, certainly depending on what you wanted to do, but you learn you learn so much by being on the job, and the theory behind it was less important than the practice. I I also think in some ways what they're teaching in, at university the the theory, especially when you get into the deconstruction of of like the mise en scene and all of that, it's it's really great film theory. But it doesn't. It isn't informative, or or it can be informative, but it it also doesn't tell you how to do the job, right? Like it slows you down, and it, on a on it, particularly in film, if you're slowed down, then you're um, then you're not uh, you're not employable. Uh, it it does so. And like for me, my experience has been that. The faster you are, the more employable you are. 
and then then after that the the after faster the more accurate and then after that the more uh, uh technical technical skill the more uh, artistic right that would be uh the my three uh three sort of like uh how how i would rank the skill set and and they sort of come in that order right you can try to be artistic when you come straight out of university but you're slow and you're not very accurate and no one will employ you so you want to get you want to be fast and you want to be accurate and then then uh artistic if that makes sense yeah that does um it's funny though because uh, again i think people lots of people come in it completely different ways some people have really different experiences of um, course some people some people have uh can spend their whole life thinking about it and uh and come come to this this game with especially in like a writer director role and create this wonderful piece first off you know uh the first thing that that they show to the world they may have worked a lot of beforehand and personal stuff that nobody ever watched and then some people take years slogging at it right like um like like say take ben young uh from who you know just did hounds of love that uh hannah hannah recommends it's very right, good hannah? oh it hasn't come to the uk yet yeah i'm really looking forward to it although i did find it on i did find a torrent of it online the other day and thought i well i'm not going to do that but I'm also amazed that it's it's been pirated and it's all over the internet before it's been um, screened in the UK. Yeah, and wow. I I haven't I haven't seen it come up in in America. It may be uh, it may end up in like indie cinemas. It may have already gone and I missed it. But I, I'll certainly pick it up on iTunes when when it's released there. Um, but Ben Young would toiled for a long time before he he was given an opportunity. In fact, he was given an opportunity. It was taken away, and then he was. Uh, given uh, a, another one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <coughs> like, I you don't, and he did a lot of music videos and a lot of other stuff, a lot of advertising as well. That, that, yeah, I mean, Grant's going through a similar thing as well. I know he's, his yeah, he talked about it on 18 months uh, away. Um, he talked about it on the episode with him, uh, yeah. episode two. Oh, I would like to listen to that, um, uh, all the time, yeah. Grant. Okay, so so you're you're reading a lot of books, and you went to to um, uh, uh, Melbourne, right? Melbourne Institute of Technology, and um, uh, what's that right? It was, it was Swinburne University at the time. Swinburne University, actually. So sorry. Uh, uh, then then you end up um, you 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 did that for I don't know uh, three months. Eight, I think I managed it before I I quit my three year degree. Um, yeah, <laughs> nice. I, I, I didn't do very well. I, I don't think I'm very um, suited to study. Um, um, in that three months, I remember you invited me over, and we shot a. Or was that after the three months? I'm not sure, but I remember you inviting me to Melbourne, and I stayed for like weeks, and we shot a uh, and and little uh, mock ad for a competition. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think. I, I think the experience from the film and TV just kind of made me want to go, let's just go and do some things. And they're probably bound to be shit because it's the first time we've tried. But um, the sooner we do, the sooner we get all of our shit out, the sooner we can make some great stuff. So we, I, I did a whole bunch of competitions like that, but the one with you we filmed. Um, and then one of those ended up getting me an internship at an advertising agency. Um, 
So before my first year of study was, well, the, in the first 12 months in Melbourne, I ended up getting an internship in an agency as a writer. And then halfway through the internship, I asked for a job and to manage, and they managed, they said yes, for, for whatever reason. Yeah, so, so how did you know that you were, like, how did you make that transition from, well, a, first of all, was it a paid internship? Or was it free um, where you were? It was paid. It was, uh, I mean, I use the term paid loosely. It was enough for the, you know, the tram fare to and from work. Uh, I think yeah, I, I stole I... a lot of stationery. <laughs> and anytime there was some type of client meeting and food went out at the agency, I would be first there filling my pockets with leftover sandwiches. Yeah, I remember uh, at that time coming to your place and, and we went to the grocery store and you, you were buying like 60 cent pasta because yeah. that was the most volume of uh, food you could get yeah. uh, for the cheapest. Yeah, you know. I definitely subscribe to the, um, like the, as much food as you could get per, per kilo. The, the value of food per kilo is, yeah. is kind of the... Um, you want the wholesale price yeah exactly um even though like i think the two years in film actually you know they you know, there was really good money it took me a long time to make nearly as much money in advertising as i did in film yeah that, that's interesting i think just because uh, we had those horrible um, not on the tv shows although some of the tv shows are good there was ben as you remember there's a there's a part of the second series of castaway where I was acting, so I had a lovely yeah. day rate as an actor, but I was also the second AD, so I could decide what days I, was, I had to act. So I could break up all of my scenes and give myself one scene per day, take home two salaries, one which was a full yeah. actor's day rate on top of mine. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure you were one of the most highest paid people on that show. I know you were making a lot more money than I was. Yeah, I, even after, you know even with me doing the uh, camera work yeah, because of that day rate, uh, uh, like the little side scam you had going. Um, it was a complete side scam. Yeah, you were much yeah. more skilled and worth the money and I was just rotting the system for everything. Like <laughs> uh, no, I, I, well, I would say that, that, that um, working with you and uh, without becoming this a, a full-on uh, like love fest for a moment, but like you, it, they were, in that production, uh, a lot of it was not constant, consistent, and a lot of egos played. So any time that I got the chance that we we would break off and do like a mini second unit with some of the kids, that was that was always the most fun. You know, yeah, it was. Yeah. And we got to do some Where helicopter stuff a bunch of times. We got to do boats. We got to do a lot. We got to do lots of the action sequences. So actually, we had a, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a it was a ton of fun. Uh, helicopters twice. Um, There's even I remember even the day that I was that I get horribly seasick and we just we were just we were just been filming an action sequence of the two boats chasing each other from the helicopter and me and you were in the helicopter. Yeah, and I felt a bit motion sick from kind of ninety minutes of skimming across you know a few meters what? above the over the heads of these guys in the boats. But then we landed and we went to a pontoon to shoot. The boats yeah, from the... Um, immediate. Like, it was like you, we got to the ground and we didn't even have, like, 10 minutes to get adjusted. We were in a car driving to this pontoon. 
and I'm looking down, like, so I had the, you know, these were Panasonic cameras, so I'm looking down the viewfinder, looking down out at the, uh, the ocean waves, mo- gently moving up and down, and I'm starting to feel, like, really, really sick, because um, it was just messing with my, you know, horizon line, right? And I'm going, oh, God, don't throw up, don't throw up. And in the, back- <laughs> in the background, I hear you hurling off this pontoon right and i was like oh thank goodness Pazembi threw up it's okay yeah. you know it makes it socially acceptable yeah it does actually i was then, nearly always uh, the first to throw up except when we were drinking in which case it's probably you well that's not true that's definitely not true you threw up more but i threw yeah, up I faster threw, I, I would uh it, it there was a uh, it, it, we were remote and there wasn't a lot, lot to do except drink yeah, it, and it was a pretty boozy time um, uh, yeah let, let, let's leave it we're at that we're getting sidetracked uh, we're just reminiscing yeah. now yeah I know it, it, which, is, which happens a lot um, so you, you, you get an internship and then you convert it into a job uh, so you were you were doing the job of a writer. What, just take us through the kind of like work that you were doing then. Sure. Um, as in what the job is or the work I was yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. What, what the job is because uh, you know, I I don't you know it, like people you hear the word writer or hear copywriter and and it it doesn't really explain how varied that job can be. Yeah, it, it can be anything. Just gonna move from my creaky seat. Um, anytime you see any type of commercial at all, whether that's a cinema commercial or a TV commercial or a poster in a window or a radio ad or one of those, like really those shouty men that will scream words at you to tell you to buy things before they're all gone because there's some type of price meltdown or some horrible thing like that. That's all the job of the writer. So the idea for the film or the words on the poster or the idea for the visual on the poster, um, all of that is the job of the copywriter. And you work in pairs. So your copywriter works with an art director and you're both responsible um, for delivering the final product, whatever that product is, whether it's a, um, a film or, a, or a, an image or something, a social something on the internet or a Snapchat filter, whatever, whatever it is you're kind of delivering, that's your responsibility with um, your partner. And so, so it's quite collaborative. Yeah, extremely, and uh, at every part as well. The you know the, the process really quickly is you know the client or the brand comes to you, and they either have something, or they have something they want people to buy more of, or they want people to use it differently, or they want to tell a product that no one's known, of, that no one's known of, no one's heard of before, or more likely. Um, uh, they want people to stop thinking their products, you know, shit and a scam, and actually think it's something that is 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 valuable, and and they should be willing to part money for. You know, don't just buy the home brand version of dishwashing detergent; buy the expensive one that's four times the cost, but is the same color and probably made of all the same ingredients. Yeah, it's a, it's that thing where you go to the uh, supermarket and you don't know why you buy what you buy, but you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's 
copywriters, yeah. Our job is to make people get over their cynicism towards brands and, um, and think that they're more valuable than, than they constituent parts, really. Interesting. So you're at, you're at the, um, the, you're at this agency, you get a job and, and then, uh, you start, obviously you start doing work. Um, how did you, you know, you, you, how did you get from there to say London? Um, Unless I'm missing a step. No, no, not really. Um, well then, then, then it's like anything. Once you're in the system, you, uh, you know, I started a really horrible agency making horrible work that really wasn't very creative or interesting. Or it was much more of the business side of things than the art side of things. Um, but uh, I, I think I knew what type of work I wanted to make, which was you know, the, the stuff that was funny or the stuff that was a bit quirky or the stuff that I liked you know, just as a young guy, not, not as a, someone in the industry. I remember, you know, just randomly, but I remember, like, the first ad I can remember was this John West ad that you might remember as well. It was before, they were, before YouTube, um, and it got sent as an attachment on an email. I would have been, I don't know, it would have been around 1999, maybe, 1998. And it's that ad where the, you've kind of got this soft voice, like a nature documentary voice, and you're seeing these, these bears down by a river crossing and this voiceover saying and now down by the river crossing the natural bears you know the bears are, are hunting for the the wild salmon the wild tuna and then you see this man run in in overalls um and, and steal the, the the fish off the bear and yeah then, he leaps it's like a, it's on like a a little mini rapids and the fish are jumping up and then he jumps into frame and grabs the fish. No, a different one. Different one. This, oh, is, different the one. this is the one where he runs up and he kicks the bear and then him and the bear have a, a fight. And um, Oh yeah, I remember bear, that one. The bear does some kung fu. Um, but it's That's all handled right. like it is a nature like it is a nature. So bear. I think that was like the follow up to to the the one I mentioned before, you know. But I do remember that one as well. Yeah. Well, well, that was, I remember that from when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. So that was the type of ads that I would like to make because I, I could watch that today and I burst out laughing. Things only, you know, 25 seconds long and it's five, five seconds of a shot of a tuna tuna. But it's when he says, oh, look, an eagle. And then he, the bear looks up and he kicks the bear right in his balls. Um, that still gets me. Um, so I really wanted to just make ads with ball gags in them. Nice. Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah. Classy things in life. Um, do you get to do it, that it, now? Yeah, not as many as I'd like. Yeah, sadly. But yeah, it's still time. Um, I like that I've like I left somewhere to go. I still there's yeah, still room yeah. to grow. You know, that that's when you're you're the name that everyone goes to and then they they uh, they go, well, let, look, we have to talk to Pasembi about your new product. And you just sit there and go, balls. Balls. <laughs> and all these uh, young, impressionable uh, creative writers will nod and go, oh, my God, balls. Who, why didn't we think of balls? You know. Um, should always think of balls. Never discount testes. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so I just started working and I really enjoyed the job. I, I still really enjoy the job. I think it, 
it's really satisfying. You, you're always thinking about lots of different challenges. And unlike film, where I guess you're making things because someone somewhere has said this is, you know, this will make us money or, um, or you know, it's the director's vision, which is brilliant. Uh, you know, you, you feel like you're giving them the opportunity. Um, the, the bit, weirdly enough, the bit I like about advertising is that it's, there's always like a problem to solve. Um, yeah, sure. I understand that. Uh, so, you, so it's instead of being a massively open, it's it's not a blank canvas. You've kind of got a, a something that you need to you need to change people's minds about something, which is kind of fun because then you have to think about what would change their mind, how would you make them feel differently, um, and then manipulate the hell out of them until you change their mind. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, and then, uh, so so you work your way up. Now, one of the things that I know you've talked to me about, you know, I've, uh, as I've followed your career, um, you, uh, so you make it sound creepy, like we're not just friends who chat. No, I know, as I know. I've followed I, your career. But... As I've followed your career, well, no, uh, for 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 social context. For social context, uh, he uh, Pasembi was my best man, and I also call him my son. Uh, for drinking reasons, um, I, I was drunk. I ad- I adopted him. Uh, the um, that sounds creepier than I intended. It was a rap party. It's fun. Long. Yeah, it was always been my drunken father. Yeah, yes. Uh, the the um. So anyway, I, as you 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 change jobs quite regularly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Is that is that something from the industry? Yeah, I mean it's not it's, it's not like film where you're expected to um or where you're you you naturally have to change jobs in advertising um kind of change jobs because you want to work on different brands or you want a promotion. It's very common every two to three years. It's kind of expected nearly that you'll move on unless you get so, to an amazing place um, or you get lazy and you and you just want to stay where you are. So is yeah, that how you moved from Melbourne to London? You got a different job? Yeah. So I had two jobs in Melbourne. I worked during my shit, a shit agency until I was good enough to get to work at one of Australia's you know, really good agencies. And then, I, and then once you're at a better agency, you get to do some more interesting work. And that means your more interesting work can take you to other more interesting agencies overseas. Um, so then I moved to an agency in London uh, that I'm still at after three and a half years. Um, so it's about probably about time to leave, um, but um, uh, but yeah, that's kind of gone really well. And the agencies change a lot as well. Their, their clients come and go, um, which makes life fun and and challenging. And I, I think what the agencies are starting competitive, isn't it? Yeah, really competitive. So there's lots of agencies, and they're all trying to undercut one another, or they're trying to. And it's really subjective as well, like um, what, you know, an ad or a style of advertising that one person likes um, may not be liked by another person on the street. So, at the end Yeah, of- I found that in the, uh, the corporate video world, which I'm currently in, uh, having landed there for a while, uh, that, that, that there are certain things that are not subjective. There's just like quality control things but a lot of stuff is subjective and depending on uh the client depends on who you uh what you produce right 
yeah uh, you know what they'll whether they'll say yes or no to how how uh, a, a treatment of a, a particular project yeah absolutely yeah that's it because i guess that you know the clients budgets are always relatively the same so you know, they're spending a few million pounds with this person or they're spending a few million pounds with that person the quality of the output should be relatively the same but their their approach to it might be really different um and uh, we should say congratulations because you just uh, got a promotion to creative director. Yeah, which means I do less work now and just tell other people how to do their jobs, which is all right. Yeah, so <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, just explain what a creative director does to for people who are listening who may not know, and it, it just, but it does sound more impressive. Oh yeah, well it it's a, it's quite a cool job, but it's, it's not that different to being a creative. So I guess the creative. You know, the, the brand will come to you and it'll say, I need to, I don't know, make people come to our shop at Christmas. Um, so can you do something that people will talk about at Christmas? And then you come up with some ideas as a creative. You come up with, you know, I don't know, dozens of ideas for films, say. And you'll think, oh, you know, these five or six are good. And then you'll take them to the creative director and the creative director will say, you know, that one's more interesting than that one. But um, what about if you did this to it? or that's right, but you know, try try looking at it a different way. Or they might say, you know, none of these are right. Actually, the problem is, you know, we shouldn't be trying to bring people. We shouldn't. We shouldn't like, be selling things. Yeah, we should be selling things. For instance, um, so you're just a, you're just kind of you're not you're not doing as much of the work, but you're you're making sure that everyone else um, they're kind of doing the right things. Which is great. It yeah, just means you get lots. It's a standard. Yeah, exactly. But it, it means you get lots of. You know, mostly my job is having fun conversations with people, talking about really stupid ideas for things, and just having a conversation with them for half an hour until we decide on you know what is the the stupidest idea that will get people talking the most, and then you go with that. I, I have a question about um uh, about moving to to England. Um, I was talking to a creative director that I worked with uh, over here. Um, uh, he was originally from Germany, and he moved over to the States because he'd spent all the time and he'd been looking at the the quality of of the ads that were that the rest of the world saw. saw you know, and he was like, "America is where they do the best work," and so he decided to move to America and uh, started working in, in the as a creative director in. Uh, he he was in the magazine space, but he was definitely started in advertising. Uh, but when he got to America, he found that 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 the, yes, they had the best work, but that was because they also had the highest volume, and most of the work was just terrible. Was that a similar experience you found when you moved to to London? It's halfway in between. Um, yeah, you do hear that a lot. So I think in Australia, weirdly enough, because we have a small amount of volume and we don't have a great deal of money. People try a lot harder to do more interesting things to stand out because you don't have the money. So you kind of, to do something that just looks spectacular or that is played, you know, twice every ad break. So you have to be interesting where in the UK, um, it's a bit more competitive. Um, but all of the companies are bigger. So there's a lot more hoops to jump through. There's a lot more people involved in the process. And that means that you can, that, most things, on average, I think will get watered down to be a bit, little bit more boring. But it also means you've got more really talented people. So when all the stars align, you can do work that is 
you know, the best work is better from the UK than it is Australian. And likewise with America, it's another level again, you know, in terms of the scale is the industry there is four or five times the industry size and the, even in the UK. Yeah. I mean, it was just population sites as well, exactly, like, and, yeah. and, and markets and all of, all of those great things. But uh, it, it, it is this kind of, it's this kind of funny thing because you, you, you don't, you know, when you see world's greatest ads, right? Do you remember that show from the, uh, I don't know, 90s, right? And you, you see all these, these fantastic uh, campaigns or, or now you, you see them on YouTube. It's the ones that people get shared around that does it then you you turn on the tv and you see like uh help i've fallen and i can't get up uh which is a, a classically bad ad in america um that that you you it's like this weird sort of uh cultural disconnect i guess as australians living outside of uh australia uh yeah i guess i, I guess again it's probably like anything you watch most short films being made they're rubbish but there are a few that bubble to the top that are genuinely amazing most feature films i mean the amount of feature films that are actually made every year that nobody sees because they're um uh, made by mick hatch uh (laughs) i was gonna say yeah yeah Um, yeah, don't don't worry mick is a very good friend and uh he'll probably uh he'll probably when we get to interview him because he's next on the list he'll uh uh He'll have some cho- choice, uh, embarrassing words to say about myself. So it's okay. Yeah, get them in. A, um, yeah, I got to get them in an episode throw before. The, throw the punches before you can throw them back. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we've uh, that. That's been. It. Thank you for taking us through your career. Now we get the fun uh, part of this episode where I, I uh, where I bring people on to mansplain. Or sometimes woman explain what Hannah should be doing with her life. So, uh, what's up? So, what yes, you, tell what me what you, to do. What have you been doing, Hannah? Oh, I think I need to know more about what. What are you doing at the moment? I know you finished. You did the masters. The yeah, got Academy a piece course. of paper. That's nice. What What do yep. you want to do? Um, you've always done really make, quite different things, haven't you? Yep, I've just been doing some music videos at the minute. I've just. Um, oh, you want first of all, you should say that you're aiming to direct. Yes, I yes, that is what I want to do, direct. Um, so you know, I'm kind of doing that, but for not really any money right now. And the the goal is to do it and make money. Okay. Give me advice and not be a barista. That's, that's a good. Well, I think that. You've, you've, you've probably been in the industry or like around band long enough to know how hard it is. So if you still want to do it, I think you should absolutely do it. Um, I don't think it's I think that's naive, naivety, realistically. <laughs> but that makes me well, all that cynical. So. I mean, I do well, other I don't, things as well. Well, I don't think Hannah's. But... That's my point. Was Hannah's probably not naive because she's been around it long enough to understand. Like she's you, you, any naivety has been bashed out of you by Ben over the last this ten is years. True. Yes. Oh, it happened yeah. a long time before that. Yeah, I, I, no, this is probably not the podcast to do, digress into some of the, the mean pranks we pulled on Hannah. Yes, there'll be a whole other series for that. Yeah, it's called the Pacific Kinston Show. Um, <laughs> Go listen on iTunes. <laughs> I like it, it, show. It, it, um, 
<laughs> what should we do? I don't know. I, I, um, I mean, music videos. I guess I look at people like, you know, the ones that are still doing it, like Ben or Grant, and they have a, you know, there are lots of similarities in their kind of career progression, which is you start making music videos and short films, and then in Ben's case, and in Grant's case, eventually you get into advertising because that is an easier way to get paid a little bit of money to start. Oh, ads were, were a great way to get money, yeah. especially as a, in technical crew and you had more time. So if you, you make a mistake, it's no big deal, right? Or less of a big deal. You, and because ads, um, they're, because the the creative people want to see their money spent, um, they they will take fifty takes on the back of a head of yeah. a person. That, well, that, I, back I, of heads that was. Um, I, no, I I once saw a director uh, for a charity ad, and we were into like the seventeenth hour, and uh, of a shoot one shoot day we had for this charity ad, trying to direct a performance of the back of an actor's head. Um, and the 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 actor is sort of just like going. He don't, he doesn't do anything different because how do you change the 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 performance of the back of your Weird head? Enough. There's a really funny ad about that. That's about a back of a head actor. Um, really, I'll send it to you. It's really it's really yeah. enjoyable. It's just the story of the, you know is a character yeah. back of the head actor. And it takes I, you from the different means- films he was in. You know, all the back of his head was in. Um, this is uh, this probably means I've got to have show notes for this um show so that I can yeah. put yes. put it somewhere. You do. Oh, yes, anyway. I do. Oh, well, a question. Some more poor advice. Because okay. you obviously okay, you're hiring people to make well to do various jobs on the ads that you make. So, say I came to London, how would I get a gig with you working? Like, what's that process like? Yeah. Um. Well, that's the other thing I think about trying to get starts through advertising is you just need one to get repped by a production company. You only really need one or two um, good ads on your reel. So they could be spec things. They don't have to be real ads. And they, yeah. they could be 30 seconds long or 60 seconds long or, or, or a minute or two Like minutes. that Adidas one that blew up recently. Of the guy the running. Yeah. So yeah, the old guy. Absolutely. So that guy, for instance, because I know the company that reps him in the UK now, so he was last year at film school, made that Adidas ad. Um, then as a spec, as a spec ad. ad, but everyone started talking about it. So then you have these production companies fighting to, to be able to represent him. Um, and what that means is, you know, they don't they don't pay him any money until he gets a job. But it then it then means that you know, they will go around to all of their agencies say, you know, we have this guy that made that. You've seen that. Isn't that quite cool? He's a young guy. You know, they'll, production companies tend to, um, you know, they'll kind of help pay for the first few ads a director makes because that's investing in the talent. So if I had a job that was, say, a charity job that may be a really interesting script, um, but it may not have any money to make, um, I would talk to these big production companies and if they had you on their books, they would say, well, we've got this new girl, Hannah. She's done this cool thing that you've seen. Um, she's really kind of untested, but you don't have any money. We're going to back her. You know, isn't this, this one or two, this music video, she's great. She's done, looks fucking cool. This ad she's made was, you know, was really interesting. So get, you know, give her the job. And the agency would say, yeah, 
totally. Yeah, give it, cool. give it to her. We've got nothing to lose. So um, basically, yeah, I need yeah. to make something that goes viral. Yeah, no biggie. But, but in a good way. But, but he's, I mean, he's like an, ex- he's like an exception that. Um, oh, for sure. But, but, you know, lots of people get into it just by doing some, you know, really mediocre stuff to begin with, because that's where everyone starts. And then you get yeah, that, I mean that that was where Grant Grant we were to, when we were talking started that same way. He he did a couple of uh, he did a charity ad campaign for um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes. That was really uh, good. I remember. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I I, I, wor- I worked on that. Funnily enough, early in my career, as you know, I was working lighting. In that case, it was the best boy. Um, but uh, so and that was what really um, uh, launched. His uh, it, that was got him around and agencies talking about him, you know. Yeah. So it, that charity work is 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 really interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be charities either. It's just someone with you know kind of low budget where they're where they're you know quite happy to take a risk. They don't need a million pound director to go and you know, shoot something. Um, but then once you hey, is it the it's. Is it the same on the creative side that you 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 put like the young and experienced creatives on those kind of charity projects, um, and you get a little, you know, or yeah, not quite, or because they, they tend weirdly enough, the charity projects tend to be the more um, valuable ones for an agency, actually. Interesting, interesting, because, because they're the ones that we can, you know, flex our creative muscle a bit more, um, and and be less constrained by clients and things. So you might have your big blue chip, you know, your big Christmas campaigns, whether everyone wants yeah. to have a piece of. But you'll also have your charity campaigns where you can do something genuinely moving, um, or quite or that feels quite important. So they're um, they're given a lot of, um, you know, another reason actually why we you know, often are happy to give those campaigns to more junior directors is because actually they'll be the ones that we pour you know a lot more attention and love into. Um, yeah, yeah, and the they, they side of things. Yeah, those are the ones where they they um, ask us to put the video village as far away from set as possible, right? Well, that's probably all. We, what are you talking? What are you talking about? We never do that. Yeah. What do you? I, 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 I'm familiar with the tricks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so so you should make, make some ads. The work that I want to make, basically. Make just make yeah, make some brilliant things that you want to make. But all right. But be, um, but with an eye on on where you want to end up. Yeah, yeah. If you if have if you have no interest in making ads, then yeah, don't make ads. Um, if you want to. Well, be I mean, people. I'm down with storytelling in all the forms. So yeah, it, it, I critical. think it's an interesting medium. So why wouldn't I? You yeah. know, I think it's challenging. I don't quite understand it, so I like want to figure it out. Oh, good. That's I think that's mm. probably the best way to approach it. Yeah, re- read a lot I mean, of. I mean, I'll probably make that... some shit before I make anything good. But I think that's, that's true everyone. of everything. That's, that is true of everyone as well. Everyone. Yeah, so I mean... I've got. I mean, there's this. We did the, one of the, the probably the sexiest project I've ever worked on was with um, the director Tom Hooper, and he was. Um, and he, you know, is a really nice, really lovely bloke. And he started out, he started very young as a director doing, you know, really horrible kids TV shows here in the UK. 
And then he made, you know, he's always done ads. So he's, he made kind of dozens and dozens and dozens of ads in his 20s. And they're all just, you know, they're all shockingly bad. And a lot of his kids' TV show was, his kids' shows were, you know, really bad. But it, it, they're still teaching you the same skills. So the only reason he does ads now is because, you know, you make a, you can only make a King's speech or a Cats or a Les Mis every two to you know one every two or one every three years and if you're not keeping your eye in or you're not actually practicing the craft of filmmaking more often mm. than that you know you, you kind of go a bit insane i think but uh, plus yeah. you got to pay the like, bills what do you do every day yeah well i don't think these people need to pay the bills to be honest uh you know even with the more money you have the, the bigger the bills um unless you're in the like uh the billion uh yeah. billionaire crowd and yeah, someone said to me, tax. "If you're unless you're one of the the lesser billionaires, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not a lesser billionaire, but he is. He is going out with Elon Musk's ex-wife, so I don't think he. Um, yeah, he, so he probably needs more money in that case. Yeah, yeah exactly. Quite expensive taste. Um, so, Pasambi, that's a that's been an hour. Uh, do you have any any last bit of advice for Hannah? <laughs> What's the best advice that you've been given? Um, oh, that's a really that's a really good question. Oh, you know, okay. So some real advertising specific advice, and some of these are horrible kind of um, I don't know aphorisms that sound really lame, but I, I've remembered them because they genuinely have maybe just come at the right time. There's there's just the obvious old old one of you know it's the harder you work, the luckier you get. I really believe that. I don't think I'm particularly good at my job but i've always i think my you know my background in film just taught me to work the hardest so i've done really well just because of that, it, that that's imposter uh, syndrome you're a creative director at a major uh, london firm i think you're pretty good at your job yeah but i think it's only because i've worked hard i don't feel like i often feel like i'm the stupidest guy in the room uh, again imposter imposter syndrome the, but it's quite common right like that, that that I don't think I've ever gotten o- over that imposter syndrome, right? You you sit there. I don't think anyone think, gets over it. I don't think the good people do anyway, because I think that's what makes you. Yeah, you, you you, and once you start t- talking about yourself as if you're uh, the greatest uh, thing since sliced bread, you're uh, you you stop you stop trying, right? You stop trying to be that uh, impressive thing. Oh, yeah, William agrees with me. William agrees. Little Pasambi. Yeah, um, and that's, that's a good bit of advice there. But the the other one, which is I think just important, um, actually, a guy. It wasn't until London that someone said it to me, but it made a lot of sense. That was um, just that your career's a marathon. Again, it's a total cliche, but uh, your career's a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, just keep slugging away. Don't worry about your kind of medium to long-term goals are more important than your short-term ones. Just keep slugging away yeah. there eventually. Yeah, exactly. I'm training for a half marathon, so... Literally. You know, you've taken yeah. advice. Just now, she just decided, right? <laughs> she just decided she's going to run a marathon. I think she, she heard only half of that bit of advice. No, I'm running um, a half marathon this year and then hope, hopefully a marathon in 2018. That's really impressive. We'll see. Um, so, Pasembi, where can people find you? Find me. Yeah, on, on the, the internet. internet. Oh, on the internet. 
um, why the, why would they want to find me? I because they I want don't to know. see what you're up to, your work. Do you have a okay. website? Yeah, it's pasembi dot com. So that's easy to find. Um, yeah, uh, that is. Or you can just come to my. Or if you're in London, Yeah, pasembi dot com. Or if you're in London, you can just come to my house and we'll have a cup of tea. All right, Pasembi. What a, a lovely yep. man and an overachiever. <laughs> uh, fantastic discussion, as we can hear. He's still on the line. Uh, so we can only say nice things. That, that's, how, uh, that's how you we get us to say nice things. We only would say nice things. Nice but, um, things. Uh, but but really interesting discussion and, and uh, really in-depth on how he got to where he is right now. Um, yeah. Uh, so, where can, where can they find you, Hannah? Look, people can find me at Poppy Pasco on lots of social medias or check out at Robin Doing Things. Although I have to say, Robin Doing Things has taken a slight turn since Robin started doing his own selfies in China while he's traveling and they're a bit special. So enjoy. What? So he's actually doing Robin doing he's things doing now. He's doing Robin doing, yeah. I've turned my dad you, into you've a monster. Had a, you've, had a, <laughs> you've turned him into an Instagram star. Okay. With and no they can followers. Find me, they can find me. Well, people should start following him. They can find me at uh, benpasco.net or uh, on at the Society of Ben on various social media, wherever you get your good social media. Bye!